Hi, this is Jonathan Chang. I'm a former member of the Magic Kingdom Corps, performing at Disneyland, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast, with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more, right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 40 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. Now, you may have downloaded this episode when it first came out Friday morning, or sometime earlier in the day on Friday, and you're wondering why this is here again. Well, simply put, it's because there was some kind of corruption in the file that stopped it from playing at about the 26-minute mark, and so you missed out on the last part of the show. And when I went back to try to fix that, it turns out that I couldn't fix it, and I didn't have the source files again, at least not most of them. So I'm having to recreate this. Uh, now it just so happens to be Friday night, Saturday morning at about 1 o'clock in the morning, which is really late for me, and I wasn't planning on doing this, so quite honestly, I'm going to put this out there with relatively little processing and editing uh, as far as my intro and outro goes. And things may not even line up perfectly. I'm going to do my best, but... I'm just getting very, very tired. I want to get this out there for you, but I'll be honest, it's not going to be as good as it was when I did it and released it yesterday. Having said that, in this episode, we're going to pick up with part two of my interview with Jonathan Chang, a former member of the Magic Kingdom Corps. In my first installment, we talked about how he joined the Corps, what a performance day was like, how changes in the park affected the Corps, and more. In this one, we continue where we left off and get the rest of his story. Now, as with part one, there were some issues with the audio levels in this episode, so the volume's a bit irregular at times. I cleaned it up as much as I could, but it's still not where I'd like it to be, and I'm sorry about that. In this episode, Jonathan talks about the opportunities for musicians in the park, the Disneyland band, when he first realized he was doing something truly special, seizing opportunities... What was the most enjoyable thing about what he did? The Power of Blast, another drum and bugle core-like group that performed at Disney's California Adventure. Getting along with other performing groups. If he could do anything working for the Walt Disney Company, what it would be. What kind of interactions the Magic Kingdom Corps had with guests. What he never gets asked that he would like to talk about. Some interesting details about their costumes. Performing as Green Army Men from Toy Story some other interesting meetings and special events the Corps was involved in, what inspires him, his advice to you for following your dreams, and the Magic Kingdom Corps Facebook page. Now, after the interview, I'm going to play the audio for you from one of the YouTube videos that we talked about. And now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, Well, you know what I mean. And we're the hosts of the Disneyland podcast, Tales from the Mouse House. 
and the Amazing Race podcast, Fast Forward. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the MASH 4077th podcast. And you'd think with all of these podcasts, we'd run out of things to share. But then you'd be wrong. In our new show, Just Because, we're going to share all the things that, well, just don't fit into any of our other podcasts. Yep, like videos of our puppy Kate as she plays with the water bottle. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe some episodes chatting about one of our favorite TV shows. Like Lost? Uh Uh-huh. Or maybe an audio play Al has written. And we'll even have episodes contributed by others who have something to share but just don't want to start their own podcast. You never know what you'll find on this show. Why? Just because. Visit us at justbecausepodcast.com and in iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Had you given any thought to working for Disney or at Disneyland before that? Not seriously. I mean, I think, especially if you live in Southern California and, you know, you think about part-time jobs as, you know, a younger person, you think, especially maybe when you're a younger teenager, you think, oh, Disneyland would be a great place to to work, you know, but outside of that, nothing, no serious thought about working at Disney, no. Okay. (laughs) Once you actually did work there, did you ever think, wow, I wish I had done this sooner or anything like that? Uh, I don't know what I would want to do outside of being a musician if I were at Disney. For being a musician, I definitely... (laughs) enjoyed being an employee at Disney. Absolutely. Yeah. So, And it seems like, especially when it comes to, well, actually most instrument players, uh, the opportunities to perform uh, professionally in the parks is fairly limited. You've pretty much got the Disneyland band. Uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah, you get to this, those Disneyland band guys now. There, there's a job that I envy. You know, if there were another job that I would want at Disney as a musician, then, then that would be it. But um, I absolutely can't do that while I'm teaching. So, so the, having the core, that opportunity to be in the core, where that schedule fit in with my schedule as a full-time uh, high school band director was perfect. Just so lucky to have that opportunity. Definitely, yeah. I know times have changed a lot, you know, in the last couple of decades, and you know, you're definitely at a different place in your life now than you were then. But if the opportunity for something like the Magic Kingdom Corps came back up, would you consider it? I would definitely consider it. I don't think I'm, although it's what twenty, almost twenty years later, or is twenty years later. I, I still think I can do it. And, and actually, I'll. I'll Toss in this little interesting fact. There was actually, I don't remember how long it was. Maybe, maybe it was just about a year later. There was actually an audition for another group. And they had actually had tryouts. And from what I heard, they actually even had group. It was going to be a three-day and a four-day group. So under the same name, two groups, but it would end up being a seven-day group rather than a five-day-a-week group. But for some reason, in the last minute, they pulled the plug on that, and that never happened. Hmm. 
Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, not definitely not too many people know about that. Yeah, I had no idea. That was, yeah, that had to have been within two years, if not just one year after we had. Hmm, interesting. Oh, yeah, I wish they had gone ahead with that, but they didn't ask my opinion when they were making entertainment <laughs> plans. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> So when you were actually there during that six-year period, uh, and it's this probably more in the first year, do you have a time that you remember thinking, well, you know what, I'm doing something really special here. I'm doing something really you know, unique and pretty cool here. Uh, I think every, every year was that, that way to me, you know, from day one. And, uh, and I remember talking to, you know, one of my good friends, and he was saying, yeah, I'm thinking about maybe, uh, you know, stopping, taking a break, you know, it was getting a little burnt out, and and I think his mindset was that, you know, oh, yeah, you know, if I wanted to come back and they still have the group, I could re-audition, and I just remember you know, telling him, I don't know what you're thinking, but he got to, it's almost like one of those, you got to seize the day moments, you know, it's right. not going to be here forever, you don't know how long it's going to be here, so... Take it while you can, and you know. So, you know, that's I never took that job for granted. I I try to enjoy myself and the most I could, and and uh, yeah, never treated it like it was going to be or always be there for me. So it, it was always special to me. Good. That's a really a great attitude to have. I think maybe. I was going to say cast members, but really people in general when they look at opportunities that they have. And they think, well, you know what, I'll, I'll do it later. And then later comes and the opportunity doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, then they end up regretting that. So it's great that during that whole time you recognized what a special experience and opportunity it was that you had and you, you really hung on to it and cherished it. Yeah, and it's, especially, I think, in my, in my position because, um, you know, well, you are my student. I mean, I'm not always listening to the best of sounds <laughs> when I'm teaching. Yeah. And then when I go and I play, you know, with a bunch of professionals, it's like, ah, oh, it's not work. It was, it it was really. I mean, that kind of job to me is the epitome of enjoying your work, where work is not work. It, that's that's the way that job was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious if the opportunity arose for something like the Magic Kingdom Corps, but it was going to be a, a full-time position, and however unrealistic this is, they were actually going to pay enough uh, to support a family on. Would you consider doing something like that or think about doing something like that instead of teaching, or is teaching an important part enough of what you do that is like, I, I value this opportunity, but I don't want to not teach? Well, realistically, I got a house, I got a family, you know, mortgage, and you know, knowing how how the field of entertainment goes, you know, um, I, I would I would have to say no. Um, just knowing that, you know, I mean, look at the groups that are there now. You know, the Disneyland band's about the only one, you know, that you could really rely on. And, and you look at those guys; some of those guys have been in there forever. But, mm-hmm. And you know it's the pay, it's it's good pay. I mean, between my <laughs> band director job and and being a musician, at Disney, I I made some decent money. 
But, you know, it's all union scale, so it's not like, you know, here's this E-Lite group and we're going to pay you more. So I, I, I kind of know what, what the pay is going to be. So realistically, I'd have to say no. But, you know, if I were a millionaire, sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right, right. If you were able to do it, just you didn't need the money, you just could do it because you wanted to. Exactly. Then, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be a nice position to be in. I've known a couple people who are in positions like that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a nice position. <laughs> Definitely. During your time there, what did you love most about what you did, or what aspect of what you did was the most enjoyable? Kind of two different versions of the same question. Yeah, kind of an answer I already gave. You know, it, it it's being on playing as with a, a bunch of other professionals. I mean, you know, I actually, my original degree in college was music performance, so although I was teaching, you know, that was really my passion was performing. So being able to perform consistently and make money, make a living off of that, you know, even if I didn't, wasn't a band director, you know, that was that was something great to me. And so that was one thing, uh, and probably more important kind of after the fact were the relationships I developed with the the other guys in the core, you know, some of those guys and well, all those guys now are, you know, <laughs> lifelong friends and actually had half, half half my groomsmen were from the core and so, you know, and I still see them, you know, I run into them at <laughs> some of them are band directors or work with, you know, match marching bands, so I see them rather consistently, or even away from from that, just you know, as friends. So definitely the friendships, probably mm-hmm. the thing, the one thing that I probably value the most. Good. And you know, while you were talking about that and the the perform your uh, degree being in performance, and for some reason it just triggered to me that uh, shortly after the Magic Kingdom core ended, there was one other drum and bugle corps opportunity at the Disneyland Resort. And I have no idea how they cast for it or anything, but they do, being in the marching band world, I would imagine you've probably heard of Blast. Oh, yes, yes. Actually, we had, that was shortly after us, and one of the um, horn guys from our group ended up being in that cast. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed their show and be able to do you know, marching band performances on a stage indoors. Aside from just how unusual that experience must be, uh, it was a really good show. I really enjoyed yeah. that there yeah. in the Hyperion Theater. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and in fact, there was one day uh, during that time my wife and I were able to go fairly often to the parks and two things that we would do as consistently as we could was go see uh, The Power of Blast at DCA and a group called Barrage that performed at the Tomorrowland Terrace stage. They had uh, maybe three or four like two-week runs during, I think it was probably about 2003, 2002, something like that. And so we got to recognize them pretty well because there was only nine of them, I think it was. Uh, and one day we were sitting in the Power of Blast show and looked over, and there was all nine people from Barrage mm-hmm. 
watching Blast. Yeah. And then that night we went to Barrage's show and recognized several of the people from Blast that were over watching there. So I thought that was nice supporting of, of each other's performances. We we did a little of that every now and then. I remember um, we would often share either common space or, or actually locker rooms with um, the college band often. So we get to know those guys real well and actually, you know, hang out even after hours. But, uh, yeah, we go check out their shows. They come check out our shows. And, uh, and that actually, even one time, there was one spring break where they had these professional uh, rollerbladers. <laughs> and they they ended up sharing the, the our uh, same space. And although at wow. first we weren't too receptive <laughs> with non-musicians <laughs> being there, but, you know, it ended up being a, 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 a good good mix and uh, and we kind of you know supported each other too so yeah i think any any type of professional entertainers that that uh work together like to can appreciate each other and, and support each other yeah absolutely well very cool okay uh now i know what you would do if you could uh you know could have a job in the park uh, you, know, you would, you know, professional musician in Disneyland. But if you could do anything working for the Walt Disney Company, what would it be, and why? Would it be that same thing, or is there something else that you might want to do? If it wasn't that same thing, then if I had carte blanche, I would like to be the guy who hooks up all the entertainment, <laughs> who who books the entertainment and gets groups in and gets to decide what's here and there and and try to put groups together like like the core. I think that would be cool. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, especially if money wasn't wasn't an issue, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I don't think that they're hiring for a position like that, but they should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there's a fair chance that somebody from Disney's listening, so maybe we'll give them a spark of an idea. And they can have it. It's all theirs. No copyright or trademark or anything required. It's theirs free and clear. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a lot uh, of interaction, especially like after your sets with, with guests or was it mostly just you came out and performed and then marched backstage? Yeah, pretty much we're in and out. The, The interaction we had was just trying to get the audience excited while we perform. You know, we, do some gimmicky thing, you know, here and there, but especially because we're marching in and marching out. And when we marched in, marched, marched out, unlike if you're familiar with the college band, they're really friendly, saying hi to everyone, waving our ha- waving their hands. We were more hardcore drum corps when we marched out. We were we marched out, you know, mil- like we're part of the military, and, and then it wasn't until we got, you know, to the, wherever we were performing or, for example, on the pre-parade, where if we we would do occasional stops and do a one piece somewhere, uh, we stay pretty much in, in that hardcore character and wouldn't break down. So there wasn't really an opportunity to interact unless, you know, someone was really outgoing and you know <laughs> came came to the exit gate and you know try to get us get our attention and you know come try to try to meet with us, you know, or, you know, for example, our, we had some of those 
annual pass holders continually came to our show sometimes. You know, we we got to know them, and, you know, sometimes they'd, you know, bring us cookies or something nice, or, you know, we, we'd uh, talk to them. And so there really wasn't that much interaction. Okay. So you really never had a chance to get asked much of anything by guests. But... You've been a teacher for quite a while, <laughs> and I'm sure you know, as a, a band director, uh, you probably get asked a lot of the same things by students and parents and various uh, you know people that are involved that are just kind of the same question over and over again, uh, probably largely involving things like, why isn't my child first chair, whatever. <laughs> uh, but is there anything that you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Uh, actually, I could just think of one, one thing that I think is kind of interesting, and that's our first real, in Disney terms, our very first costume. When the core first started, we were in silver and black and white, and that was actually an old costume from a, another group before us. Um, can't recall what group that was, but... Then they designed a costume that was just for us, and it was very Tomorrowlandish. I mean, if you had a guess what part of the park that was from, no question about it. But <laughs> that costume, the thing I just found most interesting, it cost $2,000 a piece. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you look at it, you don't think about it, but... Um, Unless you you know, you know things you know, and, and actually some of the intricate things that cost so much you you really don't get a good good glimpse at. But um, yeah, our costumes were were two thousand dollars a piece. Starting from the boots, they were purple boots. They dyed them. Those were several hundred dollars. Uh, but I think the one of the uh, more expensive parts was this overlay that we had, and it had. Um, talk about hidden Mickeys. Really, you couldn't really notice it unless you really got up close, but they were hologram Mickeys. And so from what I understand, this material was like $100 a yard. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so they they really did up this, this first uh, costume. After that, <laughs> they didn't, uh, they weren't so elaborate, but that first costume was really, really something. And and oh yeah, they had we had, we wore this cap and and they had these snap-on hologram Mickey's also um, buttons that uh, snapped on onto them. So it was a really elaborate costume, and each of us had two, you know, because we can't go day to day with them cleaning them every, you know, all the time. So that, that was definitely an expensive uh, costume. So uh, that's one of those things where. I know if I didn't know anything about I would find interesting, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think most people ever really give much thought to the costuming, but no. that, yeah. that is really interesting. We've, wow. we've gone through our share. We, uh, uh, we wore four or five, including, I don't know if you ever saw us as Green Army Men, but uh, during the first Toy Story, we were Green Army Men for, for a while. And that was not... Fun costuming wise. <laughs> I can imagine. I do remember that. So, when you were Green Army Men, the way they do it now, you know, there's that covering basically for the face. But I imagine you guys just had to deal with your faces painted green. Or... Yeah, yeah. And that was the, that's the part that wasn't so fun. <laughs> 
taking on, putting on, well, putting on is not so bad, but trying to keep it on and not touching your face and then taking it off at the end of the day, that was a pain. Yeah. Did it affect, probably didn't affect the drummer so much, but with you guys having the instruments that you had to put your mouths on, mouthpieces and yeah. things like that, uh, how did that work? It, it didn't affect it too much. Actually, our our, our horns were sprayed green. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> We didn't have anything on our lips, but even if we did, it wouldn't matter because everything was green. So, but uh, other than just feeling like you got face full of makeup on, it, it didn't affect us too much. Well, that's good. <laughs> Imagine it probably made things a little bit hotter too, because I'm guessing your skin probably couldn't really breathe through that green makeup. Yeah, I think we, from what I remember, it was it was during the winter and maybe spring. So I don't think we did that in the summer. So, but definitely. It would have been terrible if it was during the summer. I don't remember it being in the summer. I might be wrong, but uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember it happening. I don't remember what time of year it was, but I would certainly hope it wasn't during summer for your sakes. (laughs) So, okay. Um, Before we get into the last couple of questions that are maybe a little more general or introspective and less about the actual time in the park and, and doing what you were doing um, before we move you know, out of that part entirely. Is there anything else that you remember that you know, kind of stands out that you wanted to mention or, or talk about or anything like that before we continue into this last bit? Well, uh, outside of you know, the performances I've also, that I've mentioned so far, we did do some special events. So we had some cool opportunities to meet celebrities and also perform in interesting places. Often, you know, they would have um, special guests, you know, doing some kind of promo for Disney that they were filming. So, you know, back then, I remember because one of our core guys was just fanatical for Gloria Estefan, but, you know, we'd go see her perform. I think one of the more interesting ones, and I've we keep on asking around because we know there's a picture around somewhere, but I haven't seen it. But before he was governor, we hung out with uh, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger for five to ten minutes where he was here for a special event, and we were um, cooped up in the, – it was out in front of the castle, and there's for a holding area, it, it was uh, the entrance of the castle and the inside of the castle, and that one little – um, area and we were kind of cooped up with him for about five ten minutes and he he was he was hilarious he was like doing stand up and it was it was pretty fun. <laughs> wow. Um, we did a few back when Disney owned the Ducks. We did a few. We marched on the ice. We did uh, the opening games for the the Mighty Ducks back then. Mm-hmm. So on over our boots they put these special cleats on so that. It would grab onto the ice, so we we marched on there. Uh, and actually, you know, we would rehearse out there too prior. And I remember uh, there were some hockey sticks out and, <laughs> and pucks, and we uh, we slammed into some boards during that practice. That was fun. <laughs> um, and then we've done some angel games too, so we were able we marched um, yeah out on the diamond. So we had, you know, opportunities like that, too, besides our regular 
routine. So those are always fun things to do with those special events that popped up because, you know, just something a little out of the ordinary, which which made it really fun. And, you know, get opportunities to meet people and sometimes get some swag at special events that uh, <laughs> that uh, we normally wouldn't get. So Right. Oh, that's very interesting, yeah. <laughs> so, and you had that one fellow core member that really had that thing for Gloria Estefan, and yeah. you actually got to you know, meet her, perform with her, yeah, see her from a distance. Her, but, yeah, yeah, we got we got to see, and then and then every now and then you you uh, whether you hear it, you know, from other cast members or over the radio, you know, you'll hear about guests who are in the park, and you know, so you're kind of always on the lookout, or you might, you know, just by chance see them. Yeah, you know, so some celebrities. So, like, I remember just walking by him, and and then you know realizing after you walked by him, hey, that was Joe DiMaggio. You know, <laughs> you know, backstage, you know, especially because you get this VIP treatment. So, right, it was definitely the perks of. Or, <laughs> I remember almost kind of being embarrassed once. Uh, I think it. Uh, I don't remember where it was. It might have been. The Angels game, but uh, see Michael Eisner uh, walk by, and I remember I was sitting down on the floor on the wall, and then he goes walking by. I'm just thinking like, oh, you know, like, oh, there's the Pope or the President. I should be standing up or something. But uh, <laughs> right, cool opportunity there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, from what I would imagine that you know, not a huge number of cast members would have the chance to be you know, sitting backstage or whatever and have the president and CEO of the Walt Disney Company just strolling on by. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into the last couple of questions here. Unless you've got anything else, I certainly do not want to interrupt or cut you off if you got anything else you wanted to talk no, about here. No, I think those are the, are the, the better little stories there. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. All right, so um, what inspires you? Uh, in terms of Disney or anything? Anything. What inspires me? People, well, people who I respect, and I guess the way I gain respect is kind of just being on the same wavelength. If I can relate it to uh, Disney, uh, like our instructors at Disney and the guys who put our group together, I mean, here they had this vision. They really didn't know... I think from the very beginning exactly what they were going to do, but somehow they made made this thing that was very memorable and a good experience for all, you know, uh, people who, well, I guess if I related to even what, what I do and in the f- entertainment field that I've been in, maybe not so much now, but uh, people who, who can make people happy, <laughs> that's, that's, there's a Disney answer for you. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, people who can bring joy into your your life. Good. Okay. And now, a lot of people listening have their own dreams, and uh, you know, people who have listened to this show over the course of the thirty plus episodes that I've done so far hear me bring this up a lot. But I think it's important because this is exactly what happens to most people is that they have their own dreams. Maybe it's to work for Disney. Maybe it's something else entirely. It could even be something that that they want to do that doesn't exist right now. 
like you know in 1991 the Magic Kingdom core didn't exist but people wanted to do it and made it happen you know this these leaders got approval for it and created this performing unit that up until that time there was nothing like that there really but not everybody follows that path of really going after it and bringing something from you know where there was not that thing before and and there's a lot of different reasons for it but usually it seems like maybe people are afraid they have these dreams but they're afraid or they've just forgotten that they had it it just got pushed down and and neglected and forgotten um and you got to be a part of this organization this this performing unit that was doing this thing that had never been done before at the park um so what advice do you have for that person that has this dream but for whatever reason isn't doing anything with it i think it's something i learned in, in college that i heard this lecture on uh it was basically about being a professional musician and to keep your doors open and and to be open-minded so uh i mean in terms of the gig that I, that i had at with magic kingdom core you know i didn't expect it to be there but um Definitely that door was open and I took advantage of it. And, you know, uh, even though I knew some guys, it's not like they had connections and making the decision whether I was in that group or not. Um, but, uh, you know, if I didn't take that step and, and try out, I mean, I certainly didn't need that job. But uh, definitely something I, you know, I had a passion for. Um, I could have just been the bystander and watched, but, uh, no, I just went for it, you know, and that's one of the mottos I've had in life too, just go for it, just, or just do it, just like, you know, the Nike motto, you just, just do it, keep an open mind and don't close any doors. That's good. That's really good advice. Um, thank you for that. Now, uh, last question here, and, uh, I know that you're not necessarily particularly active with a blog or a website or anything like that. But I always like to put it out for people if there's anything that they want to mention. So uh, do you have anything that you want to mention or promote? Maybe how people can find you on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, or just whatever you want. Well, actually, it's been a while, and I really haven't checked up on it lately. But um, certainly if there's some activity on there, we might have to get things going again, but there is a Magic Kingdom Core page on Facebook, uh, and it's Magic Kingdom Core, Core with a K, M-K-K, and uh, so check that out. It's got some pictures. I think it has some links to the videos, the same YouTube videos there. Um, Also, the YouTube you probably saw, there's a good chance that you saw, was uh, by a guy with the account name Prince Ali, P-R-N-C-A-L-I. But if you just do a, a search on YouTube, uh, Magic Kingdom Core, you'll, you'll come across some of the videos. So you can get an idea of, of um, what we saw. And the perspective of some of those videos are pretty good, too, because uh, I believe one of the videos, which has subtitles of the pieces we did, um, is actually... Uh, recorded by Disney, and it was one of our kind of our training videos to let us get a perspective from up top on what we looked like since 
we didn't usually have that perspective, so we got a little, little better look on our drill design. You know, see if we actually it really helped me at that time because I was new and so I didn't know exactly if I was right at the right spots and that kind of pointed out that I wasn't at sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, those those two things. If you're, if you're interested in seeing what the group is like, especially you know if any of your listeners have no idea what the Magic Kingdom core is or was. I uh, definitely would encourage you to go to those places. And if you did watch the uh, the core and you remember them and have a nice memory or thought, definitely uh, try to pop in on the Facebook page. You like to to see uh, what people think of us, even though we've been long gone. But uh, yeah, Facebook page, Magic in the Core. Okay, great. Yeah, I found it here, and in fact. I just, it looks like it's a, a group, so I just put in a request to join the group, and I will definitely link to this in the show notes so people can check it out. Great. And some of the videos. And yeah, you're right, it's Prince Ali 1 that has, a, I, well, it looks like about eight of the top ten results when I did a search for Magic Kingdom Core on YouTube. Okay. So, yeah, I'll take a look at those and put up some of them so that people can have a look at that, too. Good. Okay, well, fantastic, and I'm glad to know. I didn't even realize that group was there, but I'm glad it is. I'll definitely point people that direction. All right, well, thank you very much for your time and your your stories and uh, memories and everything. This is the first chance I've had to talk to a musician from the parks, and it's nice that that also happens to be somebody who's an old friend. So, thank you very much. Well, thanks for uh, giving the call. This is Rick Moyer. 
and this is Amy Moyer, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the Geeky Moyer's home, and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like Star Trek. Kind and of. heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Jonathan Chang for being my guest, and to you for listening. Now, we'll be taking next week off, and then be back with a great new episode the following Friday. Meanwhile, if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY, anytime, 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let me know and we'll talk. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or if you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you too. Again, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. And before wrapping up, I want to remind you of my announcement from last week. As you may have heard me mention in the past here and on the Tales from the Mouse House podcast, I've been working very hard on my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom, and it's scheduled to be released in less than two months. In the meantime, though, I've got an Indiegogo campaign going to help pay for the publishing expenses. I've invested a lot of time, heart, sweat, and money into this project, but I need your help to bring it the rest of the way. I've got some pretty great rewards that I'm offering, and as little as $5 in support gets your name in the book, and when you get up to higher levels, say $250 and up, you start getting into some pretty special, very exclusive rewards that you can only get through this project. You know, there's a lot of different ranges, but really, like I say, $5 gets your name in the book, and you can look at that and say, you know what, this book exists because of me, and there's the proof. You know, that's pretty cool, right? You know, how often do you get something like that? The campaign ends October 6th, though, so don't wait. Please go to storiesofthemagic.com slash faithmk or follow the link in the show notes for this episode to watch a video about me and the book, see what rewards I'm offering, and even read some of my early endorsements. Last time I shared Stories of the Magic guest and former Walt Disney World Executive Vice President Lee Cockrell's endorsement. This time I'd like to share Jennifer McGill's, former Mouseketeer and guest on this show on episodes 23, 24, and 25. She said, I grew up playing in Disney World as if it were my backyard and performed in both Disney World and Disneyland. Now I view these oh-so-familiar places in such a differently enriching way since reading this book. Even though Faith in the Magic Kingdom is about Disneyland, I can see a lot of it in Disney World, too. I will never step inside again without being reminded of God's purposeful details in my own life, as well as the big picture. If that sounds intriguing to you, please go to storiesofthemagic.com slash faithmk or follow the link in the show notes for this episode and be part of making this book a reality. And remember, you only have until October 6, 2013. When the next episode of this show comes out, that deadline will have already passed, so this is your last chance. 
Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. The more reviews and ratings the show has, the better it shows up in lists and searches, so it's easier for people to find. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. And while you're there, check out show, the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Whatever method you use, tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.